this microphone. Usually I'm downstairs talking. But this morning, this morning we're here to take communion. It's a important thing that the Lord made it a point of sharing with us when before he died on the cross. And um, I want to just open up to one passage of scripture this morning. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Most of the time, we're repeating what we already know when it comes to communion. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. The, the, the small passage I want to read this morning emphasizes the fact that this is about remembering this morning. Remembering something that's so easy to forget. I don't know why necessarily each one of us particularly individually came to take partake of communion or what ideas we have about it, but the Lord wants to remind us of what his idea is of communion. And I've talked about this before, and you know, it's, it's, it's good to repeat it because we tend to forget. That's the whole point of it. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23, Paul's writing, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And, you know, whatever whatever reason we we think we're here to partake of communion, it really doesn't really matter. God's in charge. We say he's our Lord and our King, and so he is the one that determines why we do things, if, we, if we've actually called him our Lord and King. And when he says, do this in remembrance of me, God's intention is to remind us of what is truly real, because we get so much garbage filled in with, into us. There's so much out there in the world that is telling us things that are lies, outright lies, and are total garbage when it comes to the things that we're supposed to be holding on to, that in the struggle in our day-to-day -day situations, we easily forget what the real truth is. And it's, it's unfortunate we have to call it the real truth, because there's plenty out there that's masquerading itself as the truth. It says, for as often as you do this, proclaim you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This truth, you know, we take and we take bread and we take wine. And a lot of times they're called symbols. But they're not so much symbols, they're, they're reminders. They're supposed to be triggering in us faith that can remember what it is that God has already shown us. And what I'm talking about this morning is nothing new, but it needs to be reminded because we so easily forget these things, these triggers are meant to reopen our eyes to the truth that's already been shown to us. Those of us that have received the Lord as our Savior and our Master already in salvation, we've already come to the cross. Well, this is to remind us exactly why the cross was ne necessary. You know, apart from the cross, apart from what we're talking about this morning, there's so much that can seem spiritual. There's so much things, you know, there's a lot, there's a whole gamut of things out there in the world where people claim to be spiritual and it has nothing to do with God whatsoever. 
It's just their own spirit seeking after things that they think are important. And you hear it all the time. Well, I don't need to be in church to worship God. True, but God set up the church. And God said, when you come together to worship in my church. You know, so there's, there's so much out there that takes and twists the things that are, that are godly into something that is ungodly that we have to be reminded of what the truth is. As wonderful as God's untouched creation is out there. You know, people say, well, I can see God in, the, you know, in his creation. You know, that's true. That's true. The heavens declare the glory of God and his permanent shows the hand, his handiwork. That's, that's part of the word of God. But there's never been anything out there in creation that ever saved a single soul. The cross does that. And so, you know, as much as there's all this stuff that we could say is spiritual, because the heavens do give the glory to God. His creation does show his handiwork. But what he wants us to remember is what we so easily forget, is what the cross is about and why it was necessary for us. You know, a lot of times we think, you know, the less man has touched something, the better it is. That's the opposite of the truth of what we're talking about this morning. Jesus was not untouched. In fact, he was handled in a worse way than any one of us would ever want to be handled. You know, and the things that we do, the bread, the bread, it starts out as what you could call perfect untouched wheat, except that it gets threshed by machinery that brings it to the place where it can actually be just wheat kernels, and then we take and do something more to it. We grind it up into flour, and then we make it into bread and knead that and then bake it. And then this morning, we even break it again. You know, these things that are done to it, it's not untouched. And the, the juice, it starts out as beautiful grapes to, to the glory of God. And what do we do to it? We crush it and strain it so that we can actually drink it. You know, those things are not untouched. Those are things that are purposely touched. Those are things that are purposely put through the mill literally the mill. And, you know, we're not remembering, just like, it's, it's, we're not here just to remember a beautiful thing. Communion is not a time to be at peace with God. It's a time to remember that we were at one time not in any way at peace with God. We were his enemy. We were walking contrary to him, and that what, we, what he had to do on that cross was necessary to make it so that we could have peace. You know, Jesus was one who had his body broken and his blood poured out for us. And we're here to celebrate a sacrifice that none of us would really want to look at in the natural. None of us would want to lay eyes on somebody who had been beaten as badly as he was and put upon that cross. But just as Jesus felt those blows of the whip and the, and the, the fists of those that were beating him up, that's what we do to the wheat and we do to the grapes. That's why they're symbols, they're triggers to be able to know what it is God this is talking about. And these two things started out as things perfectly formed by God, but then they had the hand of man just totally, totally change them. And we meet Jesus not as a perfect, sinless sacrifice. We meet Jesus as the one whose body was ripped apart and put upon a cross and had his blood dripping out onto the ground for our sakes. Just like, just like the things that we had, have here this morning. His broken body was not neat little pieces of flesh. It was a bloody, 
mess of flesh. And that's that's, that's a hard thing to be able to imagine our mind. We don't want to think about those kind of images. But that's the very point of communion is to remember those things, to face those things again, because without that, you and I would have no hope. Without that, we would have no life that was in, in any way real. And we're to meet him this morning, not in perfect spotless things, but as a sacrifice that was destroyed upon that cross that would had the hand of man totally do its worst that it could do, that it could possibly to do to anyone, done to him. And that's where he wants to meet us. It's much like the mess of many of our lives. You know, we make a mess of our lives when we walk it out and have our own lords and our own masters. Until we come and submit to him and really allow him to change us, we usually make a mess. And that's what we're here to proclaim today, is the reality of him having to go through that so that we could say, I'm a Christian today, that I have actually met him and I've been changed. You know, it's real easy. It's real easy to look for peace and comfort in what he did. Instead, it should push us to examine ourselves. The word, you know, the word says you know, that we are to examine ourselves before we partake. And a lot of times we ask the wrong questions. You know, we can get this idea that we need to be perfect to come. And that's not the way he meets us, and he's not the way that he expects us to come to him. A lot of times we might ask, you know, do I, have I received him yet? Have I done his will? Do I feel right enough to take communion? That's a, those are valid things that sometimes we ask ourselves, but they're all the wrong questions. They're all the wrong questions. On that day when we put Jesus on that cross, because it wasn't just people back then. Whose sin put Jesus upon the cross? Yours and mine as well as those that were there. And we did the will of God by putting him upon that cross. And it didn't find us clean. Just because we did that will didn't mean that we were no longer guilty. In fact, it found us totally guilty of his suffering and his death. And you know, remember that this morning. We were and we still are guilty of that. It was my sin that put him upon that cross as well as yours. And that doesn't ever change. Thank God it doesn't ever change because when we receive that truth, an even greater truth is revealed to us. But not until we are willing to accept the fact that my guilt put him there. Then we realize that he took our guilt and our sin by his mercy and that he gives us a new life and pronounces us righteous just by his grace. Not by what we do. I don't have to be worthy enough to come because he was worthy enough to die. And that's the thing that we have to remember. We're his beloved. We're his people that he chooses to love because we were guilty, because we're still guilty, and we will forever be guilty because our sin had to be paid for. But we're also made his. We're raised up. And this is what we remember today. If, I, if, if we've not re- met him yet, and we haven't received him as Lord and a Savior, we can do that in the receiving of the communion because he will meet us here in it. But reject, if anyone rejects the truth of this, rejects being guilty of his blood, you've got no business partaking of this communion because this is a remembering, this is a proclaiming that yes, I put him upon that cross. It was my sin that did it, but thank God he took that sin and gave me righteousness. He took that death that I gave him and gave me life. 
and that's what we can proclaim. The servers come forward, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you died. That we put you upon that cross by our sin, Lord, and you took it upon yourself. You became sin and made it to where we could become the righteousness of God. You took our death and gave us life. We thank you for that. And as we partake of your communion, remember that now. In Jesus' name. And as he, on that night, he took the bread and broke it, he said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Then he took the cup and said, Take, drink, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for you. I want to share with you this morning uh, things that have happened to me and that are going on in my heart and mind. Hopefully, they will be the Lord also for you. Um, I'm kind of I've got I've got a, I've got a lot of notes. I've got a lot of notes now for uh, quite a few months now that we haven't got to, and I can give you a very good teaching, hopefully. Uh, but before I do that, as I want to do that, I believe that the, that the the spirit of God, the church, His body, is more than just information or like learning some facts. There's a reason why God uses certain analogies or pictures when He talks to us. He talks about us as a body. He talks about us as his farm or his cultivated field or plants. He talks about us as a family. Not like uh, we're a computer. And if I press A, then you respond correctly. God is not necessarily looking for that kind of a relationship. God doesn't need to have the right answer. He is the right answer. But what he's wanting to do is to cultivate, and we understand what cultivate means if you've I mean, sometimes that means tearing some stuff up and getting to the things. Cultivate an attitude or a mindset of God's will in our life. Now, that means sometimes the ground needs to be broken up. New seed needs to be planted. Because in the fallow ground, there are things growing, but they're not, what God, they're not God's cultivated field. It's not His farm. There's just weeds growing and things like that. Paul talks about that, he said he didn't want to just preach the gospel to them, but he wanted to deliver his own soul. I believe when, in, when we come, talks about that the Bible says that he puts the fatherless and the homeless in families. And there's a reason that he calls us a family. See, in families, families are kind of a weird thing. As a matter of fact, almost everything I find in this world is pretty strange. Until I come to the perspective... And I have to come that, oh, you know, who's remo- you know who's stranger than all of these? Well, the one who made this. And he's got a plan that I know nothing about. And so when I come into the world, see, we, we sometimes have taken the gospel and said, when I came into the world, you know, and I, I condemned the world. <laughs> but that's not the heart of God. Sometimes we come into the world, we kind of, okay, now I know this and I see it this way. Yes, this is my philosophy on life and this is what life means. And what, what foolishness. The Bible says they that profess themselves to be wise become fools. And we go, well, this is the way it is. And then I begin to look at, wow. 
Sometimes this can be a foolish-looking book to the wise. As a matter of fact, when he's talking to the... There's basically two mentalities in the world that the Bible breaks down. There's the Greek mentality or the Western mentality of education, philosophy, deep thought. And then there's like the Hebrew mentality or the Jewish mentality. One's looking for wisdom and one's looking for a sign. And God says, you know what? They're both in sin. Because the one that says... Now, how many times have I... Now, I believe the more that we walk with the Lord, and I appreciate Don's word here, the more we walk with the Lord, the more I find that I need more forgiveness today. I need more of Jesus today. I, I can keep finding out that I'm further and further away from the Lord in myself. But it was only God who reached down and saved me. I didn't know God from anything. I didn't know God if He would have showed up. And I didn't even know I, didn't even know I was a sinner. I didn't know I needed to be saved. But God, in His infinite care and wisdom and mercy, would say, Son, I redeemed you. And we would think, oh, wow, wouldn't that be nice? But when I heard that message, I didn't think it was nice at all. I thought, man, who are you telling me I'm a sinner and this, that, and the other thing, and don't, I don't have to be saved, and I'm a good person. I, I get these wonderful philosophies that we have. And they seem so right. But God wants to break up that ground and plant another garden in that field. Now, there's a few things that I, I, I noticed. And I began to notice, you know, why do I notice things? And again, my, your, your thought processes go very fast. But I think most of the time we don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit or the devil. And we, I'm going I'm to bring those things to, to, to understand that sometimes they would appear to almost work the same, but we need a discernment to understand what and who they are at certain times. I find that I'm a person who is easily distracted. I thought, wow, that's very interesting. You know, I remember one time in our old building that, you know, they they came out with this, I don't even like to call it music. There's noise that they got these deep boom, 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 boom. And, you know, the car drives by and the building's shaking. What is going on with that person's brain that's in there? That's now, that's not music. That's noise, okay? There is music, and then there is that. But I remember one time I was preaching in the other building, and there was this boom, 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 about four blocks away. And I was going, my goodness, some, I said, someone's got to stop that. I, I can't think like that. And I, I think someone actually had to think it stop that. It's like, but I'm thinking, my, anyway, so I'm, I'm a person, see, I was easily distracted. Now, the Bible says, seek and ye shall find. They that look for things will find them. Now, many times I believe we do not hear God simply because we are not seeking to hear Him. Now, I kind of have an easy job. I, every Sunday, I have to preach. Now, I know that to be true. So, it's kind of like, okay, and you expect it. I mean, if I came up here and said, uh, I don't have anything to share. I'd say, well, that's pretty weird. Maybe say, that's pretty good. Let's go home early. I don't know. But after, after a while, you would say, man, I'm not, that, that's pretty weird. And we kind of view, you would view me as somewhat different, at least when I'm up here, than yourselves. Is that correct? That's totally incorrect. You're right. In, it's not the way we're supposed to be thinking about it. But see, somewhere along the line, we got to think, oh, that's the pastor's job to bring a word. Well, no, the Bible says we. 
Is there any we's among us? We are a we little folk. There's a lot of we's. We, we, someone has the we game. See, I'm distracted all the time. But, and some of it's not God. You'll have to discern between those things. We have this ministry. We are to preach the gospel. We have the mind of Christ. We are the glory of God. When you come together, we, when you come together, let everyone, everyone, that doesn't mean just the pastor, the elder, the apostle, or whatever. That means everybody in the body. Now, just simply because you are not the eyes, can you say, I am not of the body? Yes. <laughs> or I'm not the mouth? Can I? No. Could you imagine if your nerves didn't seek their function? Simply because they're, I mean, they're just a little thing. Nobody even sees nerves. How many people thought of your nerves this morning? Said, thank God I have nerves today. Sometimes you're a little nervy, but sometimes we have the capillaries that just, they're doing capillary action. You know, and they're doing all these things. Now, if they said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to let the brain do it. You would be dead in a, quickly. But the capillaries, now, and most of the things that do not get any glory are the things that are most important. As a matter of fact, see, the Bible tells us these things, but we're so hard-hearted, and we have so much unbelief, that we read them, we go, yes, and then we don't believe them. So we believe in the body. We say, yes, I believe the Bible. But actually, do it. No, no, no. That's, that's, I don't believe that. But I, thought, said, oh, I do believe it, but not practically. I do believe it, but I'm not going to do it. Well, then really what you're saying is what? I don't believe. Now, see, then it would be easier to start dealing with things. See, once I can come to the place, as Don was talking about in communion, I can come to the place that I'm a sinner, I could actually get saved. The reason I couldn't get saved is because I couldn't believe I was a sinner. I was too good of a person. Now, nobody else thought that. But you think that about yourself. And we're going to, get, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Well, got to stay on track. No, no distractions. When we come to... we got to say, oh, if I believe it, I must do it. So the Bible says, in the body... Have you ever noticed there's some people who look like they're together? Not too much in this church, I notice. And we should thank God for that. I'm glad. You know, because some people that are together can actually think they can pull something off. You know, they, they think they can do it, and man, they can... But then God really... I mean, Paul was such a person. Paul was pulling it together, touching the law blameless. He was a Pharisee. He was doing this. He said, man, all these things were great things. And you know what he said about all those great things? I count them but lost, because now I know the purpose and the meaning of life. There is one thing that I only want. I don't want my own... I don't even want to be a good person. I don't want to be touching the law blameless. I don't want to be found having my own righteousness. I count that all lost, that I may know Him. But all that... Nothing! That's a counterfeit. I want to know Him. And with knowing Him, I want to know be conformed unto his death and know his suffering. See, there was a and a rejection. There has to be both of those things working in our life. And so the Bible says that sometimes in the body he puts those that are less comely. King James is a really nice language because it makes even ugly things sound nice. Uncomely. It means the ones you don't like, they're ugly, they smell, they're no, they're no good. 
He puts those in the body. How many, would your God put anything ugly in your life? No. That's right. We once had a God who wasn't the creator and the savior. He is the devil. But that ground has to be cultivated up. And I go, oh, Lord, if this is you, then I'm going to have to begin to accept that and change my way of thinking to think like you. It's like we talk about having the mind of Christ. Well, that means I've got to say, oh, wait a minute. I don't believe that. But if this is the truth, I must believe that. So whether I agree with it, whether I understand it, whether I even like it in myself, I've got to say, okay, I'm going to let that work. I'm going to practice that to the best of my ability. And in so doing, my mind is cultivated and broken up. And pretty soon, then the Word of God... See, if, that, if we don't ever come to that cultivating place, see, then the Word of God... What, what Jesus said about the sower. A sower went out to sow. And if the ground isn't cultivated, what happens? The Word of God is still good, but it doesn't take root. There has to be... And the cultivation comes, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I am wrong, and you are correct. Lord, change me. And here comes the plow. And then they got the, the rake. And then the, There's a word called, I don't know where it came from. Maybe, Larry, you know, because you work for John Deere. I don't know what that has to do with anything. John Deere makes tractors. Clod hoppers. Does anybody know what a clod hopper is? It's a pair of shoes. But why, why were they called clod hoppers? Well, I'm just guessing here, and I've done, I've done very little study on it. You stomp on the clods. They're behind the plow. They're, you're, you're. And that's where breakdancing came from. I'm sorry. We need to be clod hoppers. We need to be breaking up the clods in our life. You know, have you ever gone past a nice field that's plowed and raked and declodified it looks nice well someone has to be a clod hopper now it's not a glorious job never have I heard of a clod hopper being said man that guy's a clod hopper usually it's like a derogatory term a guy clod hopper (laughs) well I think we need to be breaking up the ground that's here and the way to do that is to agree with this and not just agree like I said a computer so your computer can agree and that should be smarter than you. At least that's what they tell me. I don't want to get off on that. But in a family, there's a different type of agreement. See, in a family, I believe the heart of God is that the people should all believe the same. Now see, again, the enemy is careful to sow things in our lives that will later come up to nullify what God is trying to do. So in our, in our and again, it's because of most of us have been raised in the Greek or the Western mentality, we elevate our own thoughts and our own dis- independence and my own evaluation of things based on facts, of course, as being correct. See, if I can figure it out, my intellect agrees with it. See, if my intellect agrees with it, then I believe. No, no. That is not faith. See, Jesus said if you see it, then there's no more hope and no no more faith. But we again see, oh, belief is a set of values that I can... No, no. See, belief in, in the biblical sense is 
I do those things. See, love, again, based in, in the Western mentality philosophy, we think love is this feeling. Love is a many splendored thing. As the world turns, you've got all these things that happen. You know, it's just, oh, they don't love me. What does that mean? I mean, they would mean mean to you. It means that you got your feeling hurt. But love is basically comes from God. God is love. So again, in the Hebrew mentality, in the Hebrew language, love was never based as a feeling or an idea. It was a practice. And most of the words that we see in the, in the, in the Bible come from that Hebrew mentality of not, not that you are patient, but you act patiently. Not that you necessarily feel love, but you act in love. See, if we begin to look at what love is, again, this wonderful book that we believe, Corinthians says, what is love? It's not a lamp that you rub three times and you come out looking good. It's not, oh, wow, she'll be beautiful. Oh, she's nice. He's nice. Never mentions any of those things. Matter of fact, I'm looking at that thing and I'm going, I don't think that's what love is. Love is a Snickers bar with a cup of coffee. Love is never having to say you're sorry. What a dumb thing to say. But it's kind of like, we just, oh, wow, oh, man. What is love? And I look at that and I go, I don't want to do that. Well, that's right. Love is patient. Love is kind. Here's a good one we like. Love is long-suffering. Anybody who wants to be in love? I put up with the church long enough. I've had it with my husband. I've had it with my wife. I mean, what do they expect? That's not love. That's reason. I mean, I believe, but I just can't take anymore. You don't believe. You're being cultivated to believe. Now, do you understand that? So God puts into the body these things that are less comely for a special reason. And upon these we should bestow more honor. Now, we don't really look like that, do we? Because we're more like the book of James. If someone comes in, I'm going to, driving a Rolls Royce. And <laughs> I was just looking for a car. Anyway, I, I'm good. Anyway, you come in, look, you're going to look at, and the guy is talking really nice. You're going to kind of like, oh, man, that guy, oh. I mean, if I look better, talk better, you know, kind of carried myself like, I don't know, someone on TV perhaps, you would say, oh man, isn't he a nice guy? We like going to that church. Most of the time we're looking for another church to go to in this case. But. And we say, oh, a guy comes in driving the roll and he's like this and oh, and the, we, we, we naturally go, and James says, no, don't do that. But if the poor smelly guy comes in, we go, man, I, can you sit in order? I mean, just, you know, I mean, God bless you, but uh, he says, that's wrong. But I naturally do that, don't I? See, I mean, even when I was a hippie, we didn't beg from the other hippies. You know, the smelly guy didn't say you have any spare change. It was kind of dumb. You wanted to hit the guy with the money. <laughs> yeah, we're not dumb. Well, we, we ought not to do that. So God has placed in the body certain things as he sees fit. If it, how many people have ever said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that person come to church? I wouldn't do it that way. Well, yeah, you're right. You're not doing it. God's doing it. And I need to say, Lord, let me think like you think. Jesus 
had 12 disciples that he didn't even pick. His father picked them. And a matter of fact, from the very beginning, he knew who was going to betray him. And Jesus would be walking along and say, Hi, Peter, drop your nets, follow me. And then he would come to Judas, knowing full well that he would betray him. What would you do? Thanks, Dad, but no. I just, I mean, I, I trust you, but I'm not, I'm just not going to put up with that. This is what my father wants. Even Jesus had to have his mind and heart cultivated while here in this world. There is a pulling. Now, let me just turn to a scripture. That might be a good idea. Then I'll continue along this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29. And I'll tell you how all this came to me. Like I said, I'm, e I'm a man easily distracted. And I'm going to talk about, again, we need to be seeking. If you believe you are called of God and God has placed in you, then when we come together, brethren, let every one of you, let every one of you have a song, a hymn. Do you know where that scripture is? That's in Corinthians, isn't it? Let every one of you. If you find that, flap it up on the fancy deal. Um, see, now wouldn't it have been better, Professor, when you find that scripture, young man, could you put it up on our, uh, what is that called? <laughs> Let every one of us come with a revelation. But most of us haven't been seeking because it's not my job. Um, let someone else do it. I don't have to. I'm, no, no, no. If I really believe that God is working in me, let me start seeking, and I believe we're going to start hearing God in ways that we, have ne we, we just have been missing Him. And it's going to be a distraction. Now, we're going to talk about that. But... Again, see, there's, there's got to come this cultivating of our hearts and mind. And again, it is not an inspiration. It is not a feeling. It is an act of the will that says, I choose to serve God. Now, it gets, it gets rather real that way. And Jesus said, no man takes my life. I choose to lay it down because this is the will of my Father. And that will, some, again, we kind of have these funny ideas. I think that like the enemy gets into our life and into our soul and kind of like tries to plant things in there that will eventually come up against God's working in our life. And we think if we choose to do the will of God, it's going to make me happy. And I'll think, man, that's great. But Jesus doing the will of God comes to the garden. His greatest fulfillment of God's purpose. And it said he was grieved. He was so grieved that his, he was sweating blood knowing what was to come upon him. But yet, what did he pray? Not my will, but yours be done. What was the inspiration? Well, run away. I'm not doing this. I'm, would you die for anybody in this room knowing that they're going to sin again? Well, Jesus said, that's the sign of me living in you. That's the sign of the gospel that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Now, we can... Oh, well, that's just a nice philosophy. That's... No... If it stays a refrigerator verse or a nice philosophy, I am uncultivated, I am unchanged, and the Word of God finds no place to root within me. Proverbs 1, 29. For, they that, hated knowledge, for, that, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. See, again, many times we're... 
That's the other one. We do not choose the fear of the Lord. We're waiting to be inspired. We're waiting to see something. No, I must choose. Jesus set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. I choose the fear of the Lord. Well, the fear of the Lord would be what? And we talked about that. See, again, we don't like that, those kind of words. Fear. Like I was, I was sharing, was it last week? He said, you know, there's this bumper sticker out, it shouldn't hurt to be a child. I want one that says it shouldn't hurt to be a parent. I mean, it's like, my goodness, the kids break your heart. They, they, I mean, you have to work for them. I mean, and Sally's going to have a baby. She's going through all this stuff right now. I mean, just have the baby already. What's, what's all this labor stuff and having to wait and uncomfortable nonsense? And then, then, then you've got to change the diapers and everything. What's the deal here? Saying, okay, I have to choose the fear of the Lord. We don't like the word fear, do we? We don't want to even say that's politically incorrect. You shouldn't say that in church. You're going to drive people away. You look at that word fear in the Bible, it's probably, I don't know this for sure, but probably used much more than love. Fear. Now, our minds are working to try to justify God. really means reverence. If God wanted to say reverence, he'd say reverence. We don't have to justify God. I couldn't justify God. He doesn't need me to justify Him. Now, I don't even understand what it means to fear the Lord. But fear. Give Him that, Lord, you said it, then I respect you. Again, that family comes in. We are God's family and saying, Oh, Father, if that's what you believe, then I believe that. Now, see, there is real change that goes on. Not like, Oh, yeah, well, we're Christians, and oh, yeah, well, we believe a little different. We do this, we do... That's not a family. Family is knit together to where there's unity, the same heart, and the same mind. Now you can flip that back up there. So if we are not seeking, see, to where each one of us to where each one of us... Oh, why for ten toes? Why doesn't God put me in a better church? How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Has anybody here come together? How many people knew they were coming together last week? Okay, so you were actually prepared. And how many people now believe the Bible? This is Bible. Look, they even got a scripture reference there. How is it, brethren, when you come together, let every one of you be seeking God for what? To have a psalm. To have a doctrine. What's a doctrine mean? A teaching. I want to have a teaching. A tongue. A revelation. I want to share what the Lord has done for me today. I want to... Has an interpretation. Some, let me tell you what's been... And let all things be done unto the building up of the body or the edification. Now, so as, as I'm seeking God or trying to seek God for what he's sharing, kind of distractions come up in life. Now, there are certain distractions that you... That's enough already. (laughs) There's certain distractions that we should turn aside to. Now, see, Moses, 40 years out in the backside of the desert. I used to be very upset at the children of Israel. And I just, I didn't like them. They always were, I mean, until I realized it was me. I was up in Fairbanks, Alaska. You don't, can't get much further away from the desert than Fairbanks, Alaska. And, and I, had a, I had a lady prophesied over us, me and my wife. And uh, I don't know what I was hearing because they actually wrote it down. And I 
thought, man, praise God, they finally got it. They see that I'm called of God, and man, I got ministry. And years later, I forgot about it. We'd moved many, many times after that, and I don't know how this piece of paper still was there. We ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. And I said, oh God, please forgive me. I understand the children of Israel now. There is nothing nice in the desert. It either bites you, it stings you, it pokes you, it's poisonous. You lift up your eyes and there's heat waves. There's nothing green, there's nothing soothing. And we don't even get manna. And I'm going through this tremendous trial in my life and all of a sudden my wife finds this prophecy. And I'm telling you, I... I, I don't know what I had heard, but maybe God just protected me. Or was, and the, 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 it said, God will lead you into the desert to prove you what was in your heart to serve God or not. And I said, go on. I said, that, that was it. <laughs> I mean, basically, you're going to be hammered on. I said, what, what about that? No, that, that wasn't there. And so we're, we're in the desert here. And it's like I began to like be upset at the children of Israel until I realized, wow, this is tough here. I don't like the desert. And so we, we were living 40 years on the backside of the desert, Moses. There's really, after 40 years, now he's already 40 years old about that time, right? So he's 80, yeah, he lived 40 years before. Is there anybody here 40 or older? Raise your hand, you don't have to be ashamed. Come on, Larry, don't, you know, you know, I don't need to see your ID. If you've lived 40 years, you're probably starting to get bored. After 40, you start hitting 50. Then you're bored of even being bored. I mean, there's nothing new, especially herding sheep. 40, you're already 40. You're, you've just ruined your life. You just threw away the best thing that you ever had. You were son of Pharaoh. And Moses got distracted. He thought he'd try to help God. Now, that's all right. God had a plan in it. But you've got to understand, he, real, he thinks his whole life, because Moses, you know, the people in the Bible are just like you and me, except we can read about it in about a chapter and a half. Instead of, not another day. I don't want to see her face again. Oh, you mean, oh my goodness, those kids, I've got to go to work. That's what they had. Like I said, every, I got to shave every day. I like living in Turkey because I didn't have to shave every day. One of the favorite things. But it's like, it's time to shave. I mean, what is the point? I mean, boring. I remember when shaving was exciting? How many boys remember when shaving was something you looked forward to? You're an idiot. You ever hear kids, I can't wait till I... Please wait. So after 40 years, what we think? Oh, Moses must have had a tremendous life. Okay, you go herd sheep in the wash for 40 years and tell me how exciting that is. The trees don't even grow fast enough to notice any difference. Have you know, I mean, a saguaro. You know, it doesn't change. So after 40 years of wandering in the desert, herding sheep, after realizing, man, if I just would have kept my mouth shut... I would have been, man, I could be eating some stuff right now. I could be, you know, Egypt. I could have had anything I wanted. I'm herding sheep. 
And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, it's 40 years. But see, we read that, and Moses heard it further, and then 40 years, it's not a page and a half. He had to go through all those workings, all that disappointment, all that upheaval in his life, till Bible talks about later in the life of Paul, we had to despair of life itself. For what reason? So we'd learn not to hope in ourselves. See, a lot of people are like Moses one. They had some hope in themselves that we could serve God. Was there anybody here like that besides me? See, God, and we're gonna, we'll get to it hopefully, but God really doesn't need our service. He doesn't need us to go fishing and bring in the great fish that we, we talked about last week. To throw it, throw your nets on that side. And they pull in all the fish. He's already got fish on the barbie. He's already cooking it. But there is something in this working that God has that's important for us to agree with Him. So after 40 years of being bored to death, did anybody ever, does, does, how many people know what sheep smell like? How many people like that? I, I mean, I've, I, I like that smell. Hannah likes that smell. It's in the blood. But most people don't like the smell of sheep. Right, Janice? Yeah. Janice is our etiquette expert. Andrea, she's pretty, she's, pretty, she's pretty neat. You know, I, made, I was making fun of her the other day. And as I did that, she, she said something to me. As a matter of fact, I, I, we confessed it to her. She said, flattery... You know, is the best is the imitation is the best form of flattery. You know, I thought, oh, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but I thought about that. And I go, you know what? There's very few people. Now, don't get puffed up because you got a lot of areas that need work. <laughs> but Janice is one of the very few people that could actually pull this off, and she knows I hate it. But I'm kind of getting to like it. I want her to come to my house and kind of do her Janice thing anymore. And, uh, you know, she comes in and, you know, we, we built our house and so forth and so on. And my wife just got, none, none of these things are important. But my wife just got some stained glass made in Mexico. And for this, this was like a big thing for her because it wasn't, you know, she, was, she trusted some Mexicans to, to uh, it's okay, I'm brown. She trusted some Mexicans to make this stained glass, and she, you know, I mean stained glass, but some people think these things are important. And so she got it, and it's, oh, it's just lovely. <laughs> and actually, I think it's, it's kind of nice. I mean, I actually said, yeah, it's nice. And what I really didn't like about it is I have to put the stupid thing up. I don't care how lovely it is. I don't want to put it up. I'd rather not have the lovely and be lazy. Okay? But anyway, Janice will come in, and we're making some Cornish. Cor Cornish game hens for the windows. And I can't wait till Janice comes in, and she's going to go, oh. <laughs> it's just so, and it matches so well. Oh, and I'm going, yeah. But it's, if you want to be built up and stroked, have Janice over. I mean, it's really nice because, you know, she really does a nice job of that. However, most of us don't need to be built up and stroked. Have me over. <laughs> what I also wanted to say this morning, I wanted to thank everybody because, you know, again, as, a, as I'm watching, as I'm seeking, you begin to see things. But if you're just, I'm coming to church, okay, get done, is it? All right, let's go. You're not going to be hearing God. It's those that seek that find. Now, we took a collection this morning. 
Now, you don't know who you're taking a collection for, but looking after that basket, I think we need to take a collection for me every week. <laughs> and, um, no, I want to thank you for your generosity and your giving. I mean, that's something... Now, we're going to talk about that. There's no righteousness in that. This is where this whole thing started. But I do... You know, you, you're good givers. It's a good thing to give. Okay, we'll get back to that now. So, if you want to be stroked, have Janice over. But here, if you want to see... So, you got... Moses walking around the desert. And after a while, you can get cynical. Is there anybody here that can be cynical? I'm from New York. Then I moved to the Middle East. I have a diploma in cynicism. But after... Okay, if you're you're 30, 40, you get 40, you start pushing 50, you have a right to be cynical. I mean... You're no longer just a kid. There's commercials like that. You're 50 and you're living lean or something. I don't know what it is. You have a right to these things. No, I don't have a right to anything. I have a right to serve God. I have a right to have Him to repent. I have a right, but I don't have a right to say, you know, I deserve these things now. I don't deserve anything but hell. And I have the privilege of knowing that and serving God. And so, but after like you get 50, 55, and I, I told my wife, now... I'm not going to tell her, my, her, her, her age, but I'm 57 and she's one year older than me. <laughs> now, if you're good, you'll be able to figure that out. I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to be married to a 60-year-old lady. I didn't sign on for this. But after 50 or so, you kind of can like, oh, man, Moses is 80. He's a Jewish man living in the Middle East. He's got a heritage to be cynical. He's tried to serve God. It didn't work out. Anybody here fit that description yet? How many of you have tried serving God and it didn't work out? Good! That's right where you need to be. Hallelujah! Was anybody complaining about that? Grumbling about that? That's why he had to do that to show you you're not that good. If you think you, if you try to do something to serve God and all you're doing is complaining about it, you're not serving God. Did you really feel a rousing amen? We must be right, the right group. See, I know these things. So here Moses is bored to death, and there's a burning bush. Ah, stupid bush! I hope it burns the whole desert down, and kills these stupid sheep. And I, what, what, what do I care? You're tempted in that way, right? I just go to church. I hear the same stupid thing. I'm just, I'm just, I just, and she and he and blah, blah, blah. You're not seeking. But in the midst of his boredom, this thing called life, it says he does something remarkable. He turns aside to it. And he says, wonder what that is. He wasn't so bored. I mean, the sheep is a boring job that he wouldn't say, and then the sound comes, take your shoes off, for this is holy ground. Have you ever heard God say anything ridiculous to you? Because you know better, this isn't holy ground. There's choya balls all over it. Nothing grows in it. There's sheep stuff all over it. I've been on this stuff. What do you mean holy ground? Who do you think? Takes his shoe, and the process starts. Now, there's another distraction that will come up. And this is where what I'm going to talk about someday 
is we need to learn discernment. Discernment, again, is we need to be taught certain things. We don't naturally have spiritual discernment. We need to be taught things. But Eve gets a little distracted by a talking snake. Wow. I don't know if snakes talked back then. I don't know, but I would think it would be kind of an oddity. Wow. And she turned aside to that and started listening. So we need to discern what distractions are of God and which ones are of the devil. You will not come to that on your own. See, what she should have done, this is a little clue, talking snake, he wants me to eat of the tree. That should have been a giveaway. It should have, <laughs> you know, come on, guys. It should have been a giveaway. You know, I'm kind of tired today. I don't think I'll go to church. Ding, 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 ding. Well, I know I've been taught to do this, but ding, 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 ding. All she should have done was, wait a minute. That's not in the manual. Adam didn't tell me about that one. Now, Adam told me not that God said, don't eat of the tree. I don't know what to do on this one. Adam, what about this one? No, don't do that. Now, usually, you might make a dumb mistake. But if someone asks you about making that dumb mistake, you'll usually give them the right answer. Is there anybody here that's ever burnt their hand on a stove? But if someone said, should you burn your hand on a stove? You'd say, no, don't do that. But you do it. So you say, oh, wait a minute. Talking snake? No, that's, that's the devil. We don't... Okay, she would have got that down. So here now, as we're seeking God, I believe God will send things into our life, but also the devil will. So here, I'm seeking, you know, the Lord or trying to get ready for the meeting. And downstairs, about 9.30, people come together and start praying, you know, for the meeting, so forth and so on. So I'm down there praying. And uh, I'm also watching. I like to watch things. I like watching people and situations because I believe that's where God speaks to us. It says, you know, it says, wisdom is crying out in the street, but open your eyes, start seeking for God, and you say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I understand that. Oh. So anyway, everybody's sitting down and praying, and uh, I think it was Tabby comes in. Now it's your turn. No. <clears throat> Tabby comes in, and there was no chairs available. And one of the young young youngsters, youth, one of the youths stood up and gave her the chair. You didn't ask for it, did you? No. And I thought, wow, isn't that nice that she did that? And then immediately this thought came in. You've heard, sometimes we have phrases that we use and there's no righteousness in it. Ever heard of that? It's a good work, but there's no righteousness in it. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. Why is, what do you mean there's no righteousness in that? Now, I believe we are created to do good works. And I thought it was, you know, it, was, it, it would have been fine if Tabby would have asked for the chair. But I noticed she didn't ask for it. And somebody knew enough to have respect or fear or honor to do the right thing. Now, <clears throat> I believe the same thing is in our life that many times we don't understand that we are created to do good works. In John chapter 15. And I began to think, well, if there's no righteousness, again, we kind of think, well, there's no righteousness, why should I do it? Jesus is going to go on here to explain. We have been created in God's image. We were created in originally to be 
vessels of righteousness. We were created to show forth God's glory and to do God's work. Sin was not part of that work. So when sin comes up, it needs to be dealt with. When Adam was naming the animals, when Adam was taking care of the garden, you don't hear anything taking place. Now, God doesn't come, you don't hear him say, thank you, Adam, you did a great job, and that's correct. Nothing said, he just did what he was supposed to do. See, the Bible talks about that we are to give our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable form of worship. How many people are like, I just, I just don't get thanked enough? Anybody here like that? They just, nobody appreciates it. Everybody probably does appreciate it, but the, the real, in the real world, you don't get thanked near enough as you do get correction. Okay? People notice wrong more than right, unless you're seeking God and you're saying, oh, wasn't that nice? She stood up for that teacher. Now, God noticing, but we need to be people that are walking in righteousness. Now, the Bible, again, here we, I believe that until it becomes a practical issue. And the only way that our life can become a glory to God and only way faith can be now brought forth in our life is through conflict or suffering that goes on in our life now because of sin. It used to be that Adam worked. He had a, he had a job. Did you know Adam had a job? He was to name all the animals. He was to take care of the garden, dress the garden, take care of it. His work never changed. It just got sweatier after sin. Uh, the, uh, thorns came up. Bristles came up. All, life just began. And he said, now God made a promise. You're still going to do the work, but now it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. How many people like some... I, I don't like sweating. I, I sweat a lot. I'm sorry. And it's like, man, I'm going to sweaty. We don't like those things. How many people... We haven't, some of us really haven't learned to enjoy work, have we? We think work is something to get done with so I can go on to retirement. That's not correct. God, God gave work before sin. He said, I've given you this to do. Work is a good thing to do. We should be looking forward to that. But if I have this, then it's like, a boss is no good, and it's no good, and I don't get paid enough. No, we, we have a privilege to do the work that God has called us to do. It's going to be a little sweaty right now. We're going to have some thorns in your hand, but the work hasn't changed. And so we have this, again, we are, there is no righteousness in doing what God has asked us to do. It's what we're supposed to do. So we, Jesus actually gives this example of a man, a servant. Do we, often, we don't often think of ourselves as servants, do we? Again, we kind of look down on that. I don't know when it became, when did it become something bad to pick tomatoes? When did it become something bad to weed? I've worked as, as, uh, on, on different places like that, picking fruit and stuff like that, and um, janitorial work and many other different things like that. When did it become, well, they have to take the... I think that's an honorable thing to do. I think they're overpaid. That's why vegetable prices are so high. But anyway, we need to be thankful for what God has put into our lives and say, oh, that's a good thing. Let's work as unto the Lord. But we don't think of ourselves as servants. We kind of... No, we are the servants of God, servants of the Most High. And so Jesus has a servant. And again, this is going to rub, especially it's an ever-increasing anti-Christ message in the air. And it affects us. 
to where at once it used to be an honorable thing to stand up for people, an honorable thing to show respect, an honorable thing to give thanks, an honorable thing to sacrifice. Now it's, you know, to, that's kind of, no, not the right thing to do at all. And so Jesus would say this, the servant has been working all day out in the field. He's been plowing. The master comes in. And the, servant, the master says, make me dinner. The servant then makes dinner. And Jesus says, should the master serve that, should the master say thank you to that servant? And Jesus' words are really interesting. I don't think so. I trow not. It means I don't think so. How many people just got offended? Wait a minute, God, if that's you. Now, that doesn't mean I can't, like I said, I thank you for being generous, but there should be a place to where I'm doing my reasonable service. See, there was no righteousness in what that servant had done. He was doing what he was expected to do. Now, what if that servant said, I'm not doing that? Well, then there would have been repercussions. Now, we have been created by God to walk in his righteousness. When we do that, we are bearing forth the fruit of Christ in our life. Uh, John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purchases that brings forth more fruit. And now we are clean through the word which I have spoken. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear forth fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And it goes on and on there. It is the work of Christ, if you would, for, the, for us to bring forth fruit. Our work now is to cultivate that bush, that vine, that tree, to bring forth that fruit. But the fruit isn't of myself. See, it's kind of like if we are the gardening class in, in school. Now, if you're, gar if you're, let's say the tomatoes, they don't bear forth fruit. You're not going to be happy with that. You're expecting them to bear forth fruit. And, you know, when you do see the fruit, you're kind of happy, but you're not like, man, wow, how did that happen? I don't even under... You're expecting it to bring forth fruit. Well, now that Christ lives in us, he's expecting you to get up when that lady comes in. He's expecting you to practice righteousness. Now, when you don't, that tomato plant's getting ripped up. See, I mean, nothing... I mean, could you imagine... I mean, I, I like... I, I, like I said, I just... I just built the house I'm putting in trees and stuff I'm not, I'm not going to keep watering a tree that's not leafing out at some point I want that tree to leaf out and I'm happy when it does but it's kind of like we don't do those things on our own oh well how come they never thank me because you didn't do it you're abiding in the vine and the vine is bringing forth fruit in your life it would be the thing that needs to be talked to if you're not doing that Something is wrong. We should be like normally righteous people. We should be normally showing the fear of God. We should be normally praising God. We should be normally walking with respect and love and obedience in and amongst ourselves. It's when we're not. Oh, wait a minute. That needs to be done. See, the servant that was told after working all that he did has anybody here ever done any plowing? Anybody done it with a horse or an ox? 
dirty job, boy. You have? Yeah, it's not, it's not one of the glamour jobs, clodhopper. And, uh, I mean, you're, you're tired, you're dirty. You want a break, don't you? Could you imagine Dad saying, make me dinner? He's not been doing anything all day. Have you noticed? You're, the accusing mind is... Well, who does he think? Accusation always is based in fact, but it's not based in love or in faith. Oh, God, help me. See? Faith would say, sure, you're the master. What would you like? And Jesus said, now, should that, should, should that be something we should be astonished at, that they're bearing forth fruit? I don't think so. That's what he's supposed to do. Now, I, I, I know that, that God takes into account all these things, but we don't. We shouldn't. There are certain things that we shouldn't... See, love doesn't take into account wrong suffered. Nor does it take into... How many of you have got their good list? For when you get in trouble, yeah, but I did this, this, this. It shouldn't be doing that. That's just not the... See, how many... We, a lot of us are burning wood now. Sometimes we, you know, we're, we're burned for, for heat, you know, not now, but in the wintertime. The tree doesn't say, well, you can't cut off that branch. I gave you all this fruit. No, it's what we do. There's certain things that just should be done because we are in God's garden and we are connected to the vine, and God now is instructing us on how to walk as He walks. Right. Now, with that, I want, we're going to be looking at how to learn discernment of how it is to walk. See, most, most, you know, most, most children, most young people, if you go anywhere, someone walks in the room, there's no chair, tough luck. That should be noticed. See, what, what happens is our hearts get hard that we choose not to notice anything anymore. We choose, oh, that's just, that's just children. No, that's not children. That's a plant not bearing forth fruit. God says, you know what, I'm, I, I need to pluck that out. But we, as God's cultivated field, we need to be seeing that one of our work now is to bear forth fruit. And my, my work and our work as a ministers of God is to cultivate one another, provoke one another, to bear forth fruit. Nope, that wasn't the right thing. Now, that wasn't the right thing. Now, I love you enough to say bear forth fruit. See, why am I out there watering the trees? So they're dead? No, I want those things to have fruit. Why are you planting the garden? Well, the Bible says there's a reason why the farmer plants. He doesn't love the dirt. He doesn't like just getting dirty. He's planting with what? Some hope of some fruit. Jesus now is planting in you for hope of fruit. And if there's no fruit, He's not going to be happy. And our work as the church, as God's cultivated field, is to say, I want some fruit. And God now is going to give us the direction of how that fruit is supposed to be manifesting in our lives. And we're going to get to that next week, hopefully. So begin to seek God, and as you seek God, you'll notice, well, wait a minute, that kid just threw a box of cereal at his mom. I don't think that's the right thing. God's going to speak to you. That person just, that person, I'm beginning to know, I have to come prepared to have something to share. God, speak to me. Okay, see. And most of the time, again, God is going to speak to us in these practical areas. We're talking more about that as God is mystical, but we are not to be mystical. He does mystical things like salvation, like communion. But my faith operates in this practical 
world because I serve a mystical spiritual God it brings forth fruit just as that the plant takes in all kinds of nutrients from the ground but you don't get mud fruit you get a tomato you get an apple how did that take place this apple really is dirt and water how did how is this fruit it's Jesus I don't understand I don't understand how that happened either but he wants apples too many times in the church we have mud fruit and not too many people want mud fruit let's make apples and tomatoes and nice things like that amen all right come back next week hopefully and we'll get to the actual practical teaching of how I am to actually bring forth fruit and there is a way we think man fruit just appears no Pat has to go out there and water those tomatoes kids have to fertilize there are certain things that will bring forth fruit and there are certain things that will not bring forth fruit those things can be learned see just like we can fly to the moon do you know why you can fly to the moon because they figured out how if when you shoot here the moon started over here but it's going to end up over here they figured things out how come in the church was like well we don't know how it the most important thing he's saying you can figure it out the reason is because he don't come and say Lord I'm a sinner teach me your ways amen amen Lord Jesus Lord we just thank you for your ultimate gift to us of yourself and the forgiveness of sins we ask your blessing on this time and our time of fellowship and snacks downstairs in Jesus name Amen